folks, it's it's happened. For the first time in 24 years, the New England Patriots and the man that's on my T-shirt showing many different emotions, as we can all see, I'm going to tilt over here, is no longer the coach of the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick has left. I'm going to put the graphic up just because, look, there's only three words you can really say about the manor. So I got to ask you, how are you feeling? Tough. It's been a tough, uh, tough 24 hours. Um, obviously, the news broke this morning. That was, yeah. you know, you can say you you know you saw the writing on the wall, you saw it coming, and all that. Um, doesn't make it suck any less. Um, but you know, it kind of is what it is. Um, in a way, I'm glad it happened early, right? So like, yeah. kind of work you know work through it throughout the day, and by the time you know it's time to do the show, I'm not as pissy as as I was earlier this morning and i was pissy um, but i'm, I'm, I'm uh, doing all right how about you uh, i'm doing good I, like i was kind of anticipating it it's just so weird considering what's transpired over the last 36 hours now because look the frable fought like the frable it was more the fact that he was fired and not like stepped away or mutual parting away is the fact that they just basically told him to get out mm-hmm. but then you have the carol stuff which i know some people are like you know, surprise like not surprised by, it, but at the same time too, it's just like it's the same element of surprise. And then the Nick Saban news drops, and that was a true bombshell because that one was not like no one saw it yeah. coming. It's not like yep. you know a Coach K thing where he was just like, "Yeah, I'm announcing like 24 from last year." No, this was just a full on. We're done here. And then I woke up, and it's the first thing I see on Instagram. And as soon as I see both of them speaking at noon, you just knew you knew yeah. immediately what was coming. And then you, and then your message was the first one that I saw about the uh, picking. We picked an elite data podcast. So for those yeah. of you guys who don't know, we were waiting. I wanted to wait just to let everything from the year that was marinade, but we just ended up loading up and loading up and loading up. And now the guns are ready to fire, like yeah. the Enzo militia does. But ultimately, with the news, I'll say this too. And from a perspective of me with work, um, I got to watch the press conference in a 7-Eleven and getting emotional in a 7-Eleven really was not on my 24 bingo cards. <laughs> so I'll just say this. it, would, it I don't want to say it was time because there's a, I feel like there's two sections of Patriots fans right now. There are the ones that are saying weird stuff like, you're going to regret doing this. Some of them are even weirder being like, Jonathan Kraft's going to run this franchise into the ground once Belich- once Robert dies, which I don't even want to think about that right now. Kraft's still 82 and healthy, I assume. Mm-hmm. And then there's a section of the fan base that's, yeah, it sucks. It's, it's, it's not as emotionally draining as Tom because Tom was so dragged out. I feel like if this wasn't announced until like a couple weeks from now, it would be worse. But with this whole news, it's just, yeah, we're ready to move on. We're ready to see what's next. Yeah, I get that. Um, I, I think I fall probably in the terms of the uh, somewhere in the middle, really. It was one of those like, yeah. I understand it. I don't like it, but I understand yeah. it. I think with um, someone had posted like minutes ago, someone had tweeted on the timeline that this is you know worse than when Brady left. Um, and I don't know if I necessarily agree, but I know I don't disagree. If only because when Brady left, at least we had Bill. <laughs> but when Bill <laughs> left, it's like, damn <laughs> that's 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 it right um it's like a closing of the chapter right there's no one left from the dynasty run right we know that uh or we suspect that matthew slater is going to hang them up in um yeah. in a matter of weeks at this point um and that 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 will kind of shut the door i think david Andrews is probably the only holdover from the second 
you know, the second half of the dynasty. But as far as like that, you know, been around for as long as I've been, you know, for as long as I've been around, it's, 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 it's weird. It's weird. So um, I think it's going to take some getting used to, but at the same time, I think there's a certain level of optimism that I have um, with regards to the Patriots. Like, okay, well, this sucks, but we get to see them do something a little different. That could be cool. That could be fun. Um, And that's the optimist in me to trying to, you know, keep things hopeful at a time where I'm like, damn, bro, this is, this is terrible. Um, And it, you know, we kind of see who they have in mind as far as the succession plan goes. And I'm sure we'll get to that. So it's not completely, you know, it's not like when Tom left in that, like Tom left and everyone was like, well, is it Jarrett Stidham? (laughs) Because they had, you know, they had nothing. So at least with, you know, Bill, you know, the mutually, you know, mutually parting ways with the Patriots, um, at least the Patriots have a, a succession plan in place. So it gives you something to rally behind. Yeah, that's the thing because, and I'll say this too on the Brady note, for me, the Brady news is worse just because of when it happened, considering the world was in disarray, where it was just like a punch in the face on top of a punch in the gut, you know, where it's like, oh, hey, so we don't know what the hell is going to go on for like, hey, you know, two weeks, close, everything's fine, which that was a long story, but this one now, it's kind of that closure where we saw it coming. With Tom, it was just, you know, the drag it out. He could stay. He could do this. He could do that. Um, more than anything with all this, we need Apple TV to, like, release that doc now. I understand when they're releasing it and why they're releasing it. February 16th, right after the season, just to give football fans something to, you know, hold their head, hold on to. I know, obviously, spring football. You're a big fan of that. That's coming back in March. but March 30th, yes. March 30th. Um, but with the... That, that Apple TV thing, for everyone for years who was saying the stuff about who was it, who was in charge, the book I referenced by Jeff Benedict several times, everyone's going to find out, hey, what actually happened? So for us, I'm, and also say this too about the doc, I'm not going to get my hopes up because I'm one of the few people that enjoyed Swamp Kings thoroughly. I know some people were pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. I just like watching stuff like Major Wright talk about instead of intercepting the ball, I'm gonna go murder that man because I want to strike fear in their eyes. Yeah. So with this, it's like the same thing too, where I'm just interested to see it. And also I've seen stuff too where it's like they brought everyone. This one's not like the Swamp Kings one where they only brought back a select few players. This one they just decided, hey, this seems like everyone from a 20-year history is gonna come out of the woodwork to do this. But yeah. ultimately with the team. Part of me's scared and part of me's excited for what's next. Part of me's excited just because it's that new, it's that new chapter in your life. It's that, hey, let's see what happens. But the scared comes from not exactly the whole welcome to hell thing, but it's just the scared of are they gonna be mediocre for the X number for the next X amount of years? Yeah. Um, and I mean they've been mediocre the last couple of years, so I guess it's really not that big a change. Um, but at least you had, you know, history to hang your hat on. Whereas mm-hmm. with you know, going forward, that history is not there. So if they are mediocre, nope. they'll just be mediocre, right? With no, like, necessarily, uh, you know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, uh, so yeah. to speak. But I, I do think it'll be it'll be interesting. Obviously, um, this day was going to come regardless. Right? Everyone everyone nope. goes at some point. Um, we watched Tom Brady leave, and once he left, it was clear that anyone could go. And the yep. fact that Bill's going to continue coaching is, you know, that's of particular interest to me um, simply because – when Tom left, I remember, you know, and they'll deny it now because they're filthy, filthy liars. But I remember there was a, a section of Patriots fans who were like, well, it's OK because he's washed. 
Um, and then he goes out and he wins the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay, and everyone then, you know, about faces, and it's like, well, they should have ran him out the door. He's clearly not washed. And I'm like, well, I watched you say he was washed, and then he won, and now he's not washed. I wonder if, you know, if Bill goes to Atlanta, for example, and he takes them on a deep playoff run or, you know, even to the Super Bowl. I don't really see it, but say that happens. Mm-hmm. I wonder how quickly people turn like, well, Kraft shouldn't have let him go or they shouldn't have pushed him out because that's kind of what people do, right? They they have these ideas of like, this is how it should be in the minute things kind of flip. They pretend they never said what they said. And that that I find that to be so supremely annoying. So I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, with Belichick continuing to coach, how that looks. If he takes, if he does go down to Atlanta, and I keep mentioning Atlanta because that's like yeah. the, you know, the, the, the name that's most connected to Bill Belichick. But if he goes down to Atlanta and they pull out a, you know, 12 and five season and, and playoffs and, you know, make it to like, you know, the divisional round of the NFC championship game, I'm curious to see how quickly people kind of recant, um, especially if on the flip side, you know, the Patriots don't do so well. I wonder how quickly yeah. people, you know, flip on that. Um, but I, I don't think either stance is correct, right? Even as someone who doesn't love the Bill Belichick, you know, firing, you know, mutually parting of ways. Um, I don't think it's, I don't love the whole comparison, just hanging on. Well, we'll, we'll have to see what, if he does well, then it was a bad idea. Or if he does, you know, if he doesn't do well, it was a great idea. And it's like, well, no, right. We're just looking at all that in hindsight. It's really just more of, was it the correct call? It could have been, it, it might very well be, um, yeah. especially given they 72 years old and the Patriots look like they're in for a pretty deep rebuild, right? They need a quarterback. They need at least two offensive linemen. They need, I would say three receivers. They need at least two tight ends. Like it's it's a pretty lengthy rebuild coming. Um, and you have to wonder if a seventy two year old coach was going to be around for the long haul, which I think is a fair a fair criticism. Um, but then there are people who just wanted him out just for the sake of change, like change for the sake of change. And I think those people are going to be in for a rude awakening because those are the kind of people who say dumb things like it can't get any worse. And I'm like, yes, it can. <laughs> like it absolutely can. Like if if the thought of Patriots head coach. Josh McDaniels fills fills you with dread, then you're conceding right there that it could indeed get worse. Yeah. Well, for me, if they win five games next year, I'll celebrate it like the Super Bowl because it's like, yes, we're better than 2023. So the bar, because <laughs> that was the thing for me for next year. The bar was never going to be high. My ceiling was going to be like, you know, like what we saw from the Chicago Bears this year, you know, where hey, they went from four and thirteen to seven and ten. Where you you see that improvement, but there's still some growing pains. There's some losses where Look, I mean, Darnell Mooney should know how to catch football, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, God um, forbid it fall directly, I mean, literally fall in his lap. <laughs> yeah, literally in your hands. Yeah. Like Mary. Um, so you know what I mean? Like, they have that dynamic for them where it's just like, hey, if next year you steal a couple wins, you have some games that look suck to lose. Because, like, this year, the whole month of November, I would want every single one of those losses back. Those were just all painful losses in their own right. The Commanders game where we made Sam Howell look like what everyone's hyping Drake may to be. The Colts game, which was just, we had to wake up early and go, Bleh, and then watch Chad Ryland shank one against Tommy DeVito. Um, so in theory with this team, it's, I agree with you on the rebuild stance where I'm like, I couldn't see Belichick waiting for that. But my whole thing now is never been to like, wait and see for next year. Next year is just like a, hey, Roll out what you can. I'm more worried about the guys that are free agents that would potentially want to follow Bill. Like yeah. how like how Bell KB, yeah. Duggar, Kendrick Bourne, how like Bourne, because he's a prevalent one. Because Monday it was outside Gillette Stadium. Hey, 
I want to, I want to be back. And mm-hmm. then now it's, Hey Bill, I'll go like, I may go where you go. So it's just yeah. this like weird dynamic. And if next year, I mean, if we're getting Kendrick Bourne being used better than B. John Robinson, then God help us all. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's, it's weird. But at the same time too, with Bill, there's two non-playoff teams I can see and one's Atlanta and one's the chargers. I would rather NFC just so you don't have to deal with the return next year, because yep. I don't want that circus coming back to town whenever it happens, because you know it's going to get drilled into the head. But the one thing I will say is, though, I do want to see him win a Super Bowl for one reason only, and that's to shut up the was it Brady or was it Holy Belichick? Shit. yeah. I oh want to yeah. shut that crowd up. And also, I, I'm yeah. going to say this to you, your, your, your Tom Curran was coming out a little bit there. Are we sure you're, Tom, like, you're not playing Tom Curran today? Or? <laughs> well, okay. I like Tom Curran. Uh, I know he got a lot of shit this week. Uh, generally speaking, I like him, but uh, – <laughs> I know that um, folks were not happy about it. And then the really – I thought it was – for as much as I like Tom, yeah. it was really weird the way, like, the media rallied around him. Like, yeah, our guy got it right. Get him his flowers. And I'm like, he's a reporter. He didn't, like – come on. He didn't defuse a bomb. Relax. <laughs> like, yeah. that was he weird. was speculating. Yeah. And, and and it worked out. And it's informed speculation, but a speculation all the same. Yeah. Um, so that was that was weird. That was weird. Yeah. And the only other thing, too, now is, is just watching – I'm sorry – Apart from how bad Sunday's game was, the fact that we had to hear Chris Myers say a million times, well, if you didn't hear, Jay Glazer said this. Yeah, Glazer, like, that was annoying. Up. Yeah, yeah that, that was annoying. Um, the one saving grace with this team, though, is, look, having the third overall pick, which I've seen some people say, trade trade up with uh, with the Bears or, like, get for Justin Fields. I'm like, no, 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 like, no. Why would they do that? That's just setting themselves up for bad. BQBA. That's all I want unless – a kid from Ohio State is just sitting there in their lap. That's the only exception. But I think, I think look, he look, will be. He will be. But there's so there's a part of me with the draft. I'm going to transition to that. There's two arguments in the draft. If they go Marvin Harrison, Penix may be there at 34, but I don't think he will be because I know everyone's saying Monday. I'm going to say so that was a massive overreaction saying he blew his draft stock. How like yeah. I've never yeah. seen anyone's draft stock plummet. I'm just like. He had one bad game. If because if you if you if they lose the Sugar Bowl, he's a top ten pick. Yeah, yeah. He, he, they lose the Sugar Bowl, he's a top ten pick. So with New England, I'll say this right now: I want to focus on the offensive playmakers in the draft, and I'd rather get a lineman in free agency. You know, go out there and pay. Not not saying pay Juwan Taylor because he's a false start machine, but you know, give that kind of contract out in free agency as opposed to drafting someone. Yeah, go out there and get yourself a Jonah Williams. Uh, I think you do yeah. both. I think you're, you know, you're gonna, ha- you're, you need multiple linemen, right? You need yeah. starters. And you also need backups. I don't think they have any um, quality NFL backup tackles, right? And <laughs> most teams don't. But um, you have Calvin Anderson who's been ill, and he's not, he's not really, um, he's not really locked in, right? Like yeah. we can't just be like, oh, he's going to be back healthy and all that. Um, I read earlier today, he's, he was hospitalized twice this past year. I know I knew about one. I didn't know it was twice. That's pretty insane. So we can't just assume he's going to be there. But Darian Lowe can't play left tackle. That was, mm-hmm. that, I mean, that was very clear. Um, Connor McDermott's like 38 years old. So I think they need, <laughs> they need to draft the tackle. Um, mm-hmm. But I also agree that they, they should probably go out and sign one, right? Get you a, a nice, someone who can start and then get you someone you can develop but i am um, i agree though uh the offense needs an overhaul that's that's not i'm not breaking any news here mm-hmm. um i do think though that the the correct moves to go ahead and just get your quarterback because i don't know that even if you're bad next year i don't think it's guaranteed that you're top five bad right i think that 
that's where it gets kind of dicey. And, you know, who knows? You know, Quinn Ewers will be out, um, will be uh, in next year's draft. So, like, obviously that there, there's a high-profile high prospect right there. But I feel like every year everyone's like, oh, next year's class will be better. Um, and at some point, the better just has to come. <laughs> so yeah. take the quarterback you have here. You Take the quarterback now if you're in position to do so, right? You're picking third. I think quarterbacks go one, two, and then three, right? I think it is a three-quarterback class um, as much as people – don't seem to think it is, but there's a, a Heisman winning quarterback from the Bayou um, who is entering the draft. He's 23 years old. I'm sorry. That's going to be a top 10 pick, right? Like that people are, are deluding. Themselves. Well, he'll be there in the second round. I'm like, no, he won't be. That doesn't, that doesn't happen. Like that won't happen. And to your point, you mentioned Michael Penix Jr. Whether or not he'd be available at, you know, at 34. No, I, I don't see that happening either. I think he's someone who goes in the teens because teams need quarterbacks. And there's a lot of teams right now who need quarterbacks, even teams that we think are all set at quarterback. We know Washington needs one, even though they have Sam Howell and they started the year like, yeah, Sam might be the guy. He's not. Justin no. Fields in Chicago is a giant question mark. I think they're a team that very well, very well may take, you know, you know, Caleb at at one, right? I, I, or at where's the second pick? I think six, right? Where, where do they pick nine. For themselves? It's nine. Okay, cool. Um, they may take a quarterback at nine. I, I just don't think in that top half of that draft to say the you know from one to like thirteen, I can absolutely see feet, four quarterbacks going right, and that's just something that happened as a result of the NFL needing needing players at that position. So I I think it's absolutely going to be a case where you know if you wait around to oh well maybe get someone at thirty four, you're going to just end up missing out. I don't think you're going to find a a starting quarterback in you know, in the second round. And and I think history has shown us over, the, especially recent history in the last, like I'd say even 10 years, you're not finding a quarterback outside of the first round. Like it's, it's, it's just not really happening unless you, you know, get light catch lightning in a bottle with someone like Brock Purdy. It really doesn't happen all that often. You have the opportunity, take your quarterback because at this point, the Patriots do not have a quarterback on their roster right now mm-hmm. who you feel comfortable nope. can go out there and even not even win you a game, go out there and write the, you know, steady the shit, you know, no, yep. keep you in it as it goes. Right. We saw, we saw what Bailey Zappi was. We saw Mac Jones, you know, turn into a, a turnover machine. Um, and Nathan Rourke, I mean, come on, let, let's, let's be real here. So if you can take your quarterback, take your quarterback, especially because I do honestly believe like philosophically speaking, you can find, you can find wide receivers anywhere right and that's not to say like they're not important it's just it's a lot easier to find you a nice wide receiver than it is to find you a nice quarterback you can go out and trade for t higgins you you can't just go out and trade for exactly and and he's a free agent even you know even the boot although i i wonder if he gets franchise tagged and then traded which is why i said trade for him but you have brandon Ayuk, who will also be a free agent you know these kind of players will or could potentially be available there are no quarterbacks who are going to come available that you're like, yes, go out and get him. It's going to be like Russell Wilson and then a bunch of guys who, you know, who've been bouncing in and off on and off of practice squad. So take your quarterback, worry about, you know, playmakers elsewhere, especially because you can find, to, you know, the inverse of my first point of like, oh, it's really hard to find a quarterback outside of the first round. It's not that hard to find a wide receiver outside of the first round, right? We see, you know, players like Michael Pittman Jr. was a second round pick. Um, and he's you know, a free fifth. agent. Right. Like these these are guys who are available. You know, I mean, you'll be able to find them there. Take your quarterback and figure out the rest from there because quarterback is the most important position in sports. Like singularly speaking, it's the most important position in sports. 
if you don't have one, you need one, go out and get one. Don't like, don't get cute on it. Oh, we'll wait till next year because what happens if next year you're now six and, you know, six and 11, right? And now you're, you're picking just outside of the top, you know, top five. You're picking like eight or nine. You're now in a position where I now have to decide if I'm going to trade up and go get a guy or take whatever guy falls to me. And the Patriots already did that whole let's wait around and take the guy who falls to me. And they ended up with McCorkle. So. <laughs> and, and, and again, this is someone who, generally speaking, I kind of liked Mac, Mac. So, I mean, I did too. My 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 one game of Gillette was me wearing a McCorkle jersey. I was a McCorkle. I'm McCorkle fan. It's just eventually, it was the Colts game where I was just like, yeah, enough's enough. Like pull him out. Same, like, same. From there, I was like, oh well, this just can't keep happening. He, the no. way he threw that interception, I was like, oh yeah, this guy needs to sit. Like it is, yeah. it's over. And I, I just love the whole putting on pounds of muscle. And there's a TikTok of his girlfriend constantly feeding him cookies. So I'm just like, how much muscle are you really putting on there, buddy? Like, I'm, I'm a bigger guy. I'm a bigger guy. So like, I really can't comment on that. But at the same time, too, I'm just like, careful what you say to McCorkle. Um, I completely agree with you because this isn't a team where like, and also I'm, I want to say this because this has been coming up. Of people saying, oh, why didn't the Patriots draft Lamar Jackson in 2018? And my rebuttal to is, why would they? Because, yeah. you know, where everyone's like, oh, they could have had him. I'm like, yeah, what are they going to do? Just have him sit there and wait to be the heir apparent to Tom? No, they were yeah. not going to do that. So you kind of fuck yourself by doing that. But at the same time, too, you just can't do that. And even going back to the waiting for next year or hoping someone falls to 34, if they were a fringe contender or if they were a team in the playoffs right now, say where Miami is or where even a Pittsburgh is, yeah, I understand doing that, but you're not. You won four football games the entire year including a great one on Christmas Eve, which I know people wanted to lose. I thoroughly enjoyed the Christmas Eve win in Denver. Oh, yeah. Oh, in Denver? Of course. Yeah. And just the the Bryce Beringer firing up Chad. But um, that's the thing. So my thing is, unless Williams or May fall to three, you take the kid from the bayou. I know at the beginning of the year you were kind of skeptical on him being a top-ten quarterback, but now yeah. – Things have changed. I mean, it, things have changed. Like, he's the guy that you can rely on to make plays. And even to – Going back to the other situations, like with Justin Fields, I think more than anything, the Luke Getzey firing was the writing on the wall for Fields is out. Because if you bring in a new guy, they're going to want to work with Caleb. Apparently, Bears brass really want Caleb. So they're going to draft Caleb unless they pull uh, Vontae Mack on us, which I know it's not the best <laughs> movie, but it's, it's it's one of those bad, good movies. I always watch I love that movie. Season. I watch it every year. It's, it's a good yeah. movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's dumb, but I like it. Exactly. So with that, then you can go and then there's so much wide receiver talent, even tight end talent, too, which there is a tight end prospect from Monday's game that I really wish was available this year, but is not. That's Colston Loveland from the, from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Looked really good. And speaking of Michigan, I have a remember how a few months ago I said to you, Michael Penix Jr. to the Broncos, which still could happen. Mm-hmm. I think there's a world where J.J. McCarthy is a Bronco because Sean Payton's going to use him exactly like he did with like Taysom Hill. Hill. Yeah, yeah. Had the minus the creatine, thought. minus the creatine. Yeah, yeah, like I, I can uh, without the muscle. Yeah, I, 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 I like that. I, I think that's a that's a fun that's a fun pick if it happens. I wonder where McCarthy goes. I think he's the player that I'm the most confused about where he and like where he goes eventually. Yeah. He's Twenty years old, super young. He has all the raw talent in the world. But he's the kind of player you can see busting. Really, like, pause. Um, you can you can see a, he's the kind of pick that can go bust very very easily. Just because like you look at it and you're like, yeah, yes, he's a great athlete. He's probably someone who's a great college quarterback. Will that translate to the pros? I think that's a fair question. But that would be a lot of fun. I, I think so too. It's just that like whole questioning. My thing with him has always been 
I know he can make plays, but he's never really had the game where, you know, the whole entire game's put on his back. You know, kind of yeah. like what we saw from Penix, where I know everyone likes to say, oh, Penix is Penix that. I'm like, look, put the holding calls aside. His offensive line was not giving him time to throw. And even, too, Washington's got a ton of weapons that are probably going to be there. I don't think Odunze will be there, but, like, a Jalen McMillan at 34 could probably be there. Yep. Um, Jack, what, uh, the, the, even the tight end from Washington as well, I think Jack Westmore. I'm not sure if he's draft eligible, but, like, he could be there. And even, too, if – I got to take a look at the wide receiver draft. Like, I got to start doing my draft research, but, like, yeah. that's your point. At 34, you can go and get someone. At, even in the third round, you can find someone. Like we were saying, too, like all these guys, like Debo Samuel was a second-round pick. DK yep. Metcalf, A.J. Brown. I know that's bringing back painful memories for Pats fans, but you yeah. can't control the pass. Uh, uh, but when people do all that stuff, I always want to say this. You can't control the past. You can only look ahead to the future. Yep. That's the big yeah, thing. There are people who are still crying about Nikhil Harry. So, you oh know. Guys, five years ago. That, and now it's we over. can't, like. And even still, now the whole Belichick thing, like you can't say anymore, oh, Belichick was Belichick that, because for all we know, at if he goes to Atlanta, he takes Brock Bowers eight, and they just misuse the entire Atlanta weapons, weaponry scheme, even though I doubt that happens. Yeah. Um, more than where would Belichick go, besides the Gerard Mayo report that came out, Who's your like? Who's McGarvin's number one pick to coach this team next year? If you have, if you, if Robert Kraft came to you and drove to your house and came in through that door that I see right over your shoulder and said, "I want you to pick our next head coach." Who is your guy? Tough. Um, yeah, that's that's a really tough question because you can get like two or three. Yeah, I um. All right, so the first name that comes to mind, and it might not be very popular, I like Brian Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. I know Eagle Eagle fans right now are not very happy with him. Um, I, I really like how he utilizes Devontae, you know, Devontae Smith and um, AJ Brown, right? It's not this, it's not this just gung-ho, all verticals all the time scheme like they uh like they ran last year. So I I really like that you can get he he does a really good job getting AJ Brown involved deep and intermediate. He does a really good job of getting um, getting Smith involved at all three levels. And I really like the way he employs, um, even though he didn't play a ton this year, Dallas Goddard. Um, and then the, their running scheme, I think, is supremely creative, right? They have this, like, it's it's not quite wide zone, but it's this one-cut, like, offensive style where it's just, like, find the hole and go. And I think that really that's something that could really work for someone like Ramondre Stevenson, even though I think he has, you know, he has all the – the shimmy to kind of make a you know make a move in the hole or whatever the case is there, but I think just finding him a lane and letting him go get upfield and get vertical, I I really like that. So I I think Brian Johnson from the Eagles is a is currently my is a name I really like. Right, I don't know ne- I don't know necessarily that I want him to coach the team, but that's you know he's a name I really like. I know people really like Ben Johnson and. I don't know the last month and a half. How how has that not soured more people? I think what Detroit's been doing. I think they've, obviously they've been winning games, so like you know that that cures all. But schematically, you're seeing what they're doing, and you're like, this isn't the same guy from October, right? Like he's not he's not lighting the world on fire anymore. Um, so that's interesting. Bobby Slowick, I think he's getting a ton of credit um, down in Houston. I think uh, he should, right? I think he's a, he's a real good coach. I think a yeah. lot of that though is relying on CJ Stroud, just being an absolute stud. Cause mm-hmm. the minute he was out when he missed those two games with the concussion, um, schematically that bad. offense didn't look right. It did not look right. So it's, nope. it's, 
I think he's getting a lot of credit for just excellent play from his quarterback. He's getting a lot of credit from like, oh yeah, look what he did with Nico Collins and Tank Dell. And again, the minute Stroud was out of the equation, you know, I mean, by that point, Tank was already out, but you know, Nico Collins looked like Nico Collins from last year all of a sudden again, you know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. I, I think people tend to get like stuck. They get like stun locked into like, these are the only coordinators that are worth anything. The guys that I've heard about. So it's this is yeah. the same three guys and they're the only guys that matter. And if you don't get one of those guys, you've missed out on, on your guy for the year. And it's, I don't necessarily know that I believe that, but that's, you know, that's, those are two guys that I, um that I kind of like Brian Johnson and Bobby Slowick. I also like um, the Gerard Mayo thing is interesting because Earlier in a group chat, someone accused me of being anti uh, Mayo, or you know, I'm 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 upset because you know Bill got fired, and so that's why you know you don't like Mayo, and I'm not. I think my take on Mayo is I think he'll be a fine head coach. I think he'll probably even be pretty good. I just don't love the idea of the Patriots immediately going to hey, we have this guy, you know, we have we have head coach at home, and we're just going to go with the head coach at home as opposed to like doing a nice thorough, you know, a nice thorough look you know, across the league and seeing what's out there just because I don't, I don't love the idea of, Hey, we already have this guy here. Let's keep him. But we moved, uh, we moved on from the other guy because we wanted a fresh start. It's not a fresh start if we're keeping the same guys who are already here. Um, and I don't know that, you know, obviously I don't know if Mayo's going to go ahead and bring in all sorts of new guys, but generally speaking, people tend to work with the people they work with. Right. So yep. there's a very real chance that he just kind of keeps the guys he's familiar with because people like what's, what's familiar. So I, I think that is something to monitor, um, but I would not be against uh, Gerard Mayo being the head coach. And in fact, I, I quite like him. It's just, you know, I want the Patriots to kind of take a, uh, you know, take a bird's eye view of everything before making their decision and not just going, Hey, we have a guy where it's going to roll with this guy. And that is it. Last name that I, um, I liked, and this is another offensive guy, but Frank Smith, the, um, mm-hmm. the offensive coordinator for the dolphins. I, I think he is incredibly innovative with some of the stuff that he's like brought out, but I think he falls into the similar category category to Eric, Eric B bless yep. you by the way, um, where, it's, I think it's fair that people are going to question whether or not he's the guy over there because, you know, he's obviously with Mike McDaniel. So people are going to look at like, well, is he actually putting together the offense? Did he actually scheme up this like really clever the little motion they have or the little like uh, the, the, the plays where they kind of hide Tyreek Hill all over the formation and things of that sort? Did he really create that or is he just kind of running what McDaniel, um, what McDaniel has? I think it's probably more than that. Um, and so I'd be interested in that as well. It's just play uh, coaches like that always kind of give me pause because you're coming over, you're not bringing the weapon with you, right? So like, yeah. it's really, I don't want to trivialize it because I'm sure, you know, coaching in the NFL is hard. Coaching period is hard, but it's really easy to look great when you have the fastest player in the NFL and he can just, fix shit you know what i mean so um if you're not bringing that guy with you you know i i I don't think you're gonna have taekwon thornton running that uh that little you know the the motion out wheel up you know i I don't think that's gonna happen but that's another name that i'd be interested in seeing as well so i bobby slowick is my non-new england candidate that's my my big one just because of what he's done with stroud obviously look they have they had a couple bad weeks obviously you're saying without but he has a real chance to do this week to prove himself um I the 
for as much as the Brian, uh, Ben Johnson in Detroit has been impressive, I completely agree with you there where I'm just like, I think he needs to go to that team that's like, you know, truly bottom of the barrel. Now I know New England's, oh, they're, they're four and 13, but like, you know what I mean? Like a team that like yeah. forever that has nothing that. going on. Yeah, nothing going on in Carolina, but um, who <laughs> decided they want to interview everyone for some reason. Like they're interviewing, I think, 12 people, which just sounds insane to me. Or even two, if he want like LA is another outside candidate, I think, for a guy like him. You know, like get the innovative offensive mind with like Justin Herbert, who's ready to go. But because that's going back to Bill quickly with LA, for as cool as it would be, they are not in a good situation salary cap wise. Correct. That's the thing. Yep. And Atlanta's in a decent salary cap situation. So that's why I feel like Atlanta's the more likely candidate, unless a wild card team that, you know, had no business losing does lose on Sunday, which one of them would Dallas? absolutely. I uh, would email. I, I just, I could not. I, I, I would, no, 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 no. It's like Tracy Morgan in the car in that movie. Nope, 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 <laughs> no, hell no, no. It's just like, it's just like, like burning gut feeling. Cause with Tampa, it was just like, Really, Tampa, but with yeah. Dallas, it's just like, oh my god, yeah, it's just bad. Which I have a bit of a hot take with you with Dallas because there is okay. one player on. So for the last few years, like twenty one, I was like, Amari Cooper's gone after this year for salary cap reasons, and I said the same thing with Zeke this year. Which I, I like Zeke in New England, Did, had yeah. no problems with him, especially too. We saw what he could do when Ramondre went down. Yep, but Dallas is in a fun pickle of a situation this off season. So, Dak Prescott's probably going to want to rework his contract to get more money. Sure. They have a defensive player who's probably going to go, hey, do you see what Max Crosby, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, and Nick Bolsa are paying? Give me on that level of $30 million for a defensive edge. That could potentially leave a wide receiver one on the outside looking in. It's very crazy. It's very, very out there. Who? Number eighty-eight. Oh no way! No this, way! It's, it's a very like it's a very out there hypothetical because I'm looking at it. Unless Dallas somehow finds the money, I just don't see a world where they give Dak a restructured deal, Parsons thirty to thirty-five million dollars because you know Lamb's going to want the same amount of money. So I'm just saying, if the taking's there, if you're Bob Kraft, you sniff around at that, or do you just that's if that's like you know the hypothetical dream scenario like when you're in high school and you see the girl where you're just like i'm gonna ask her out and it usually ends up with you just being laughed at so that's the situation but that's just a player i wonder with free agency where i'm just like if you're cd lamb will dallas be willing to pay you or not i think they have no choice i think he's made yeah. himself uh i mean just when people fantasy football. yeah he he um he's the kind of player that you kind of move a you know, when he comes to you, he's like, hey, I want X amount of money. You're like, all right, I'll move some things around. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> even if it means taking a hit on the offensive line, which seems to be the most likely to me anyway. Um, yeah, I, I, no way. You cannot let him walk. I, I think that's a huge error. Um, although I like Brandon Cooks, I don't think they have much else behind those two. Uh, Jalen Tolbert is fine as like Calvin, a rotational okay. piece. Like, eh. You know, I'm not I'm not big on them, and I really like their tight end Jake Ferguson. They they have been really good at finding. Uh, <laughs> they've been really good at finding. My friend uh, turned it really well for me the other day. He said they're really good at finding great whites at tight end, and I'm like that is excellent because they just they just be pumping these dudes out. And I'm like, holy shit! Um, Jason Witten, Dalton Schultz, Jake Ferguson. 
uh, Blake Jarwin, he was really good yep. for them for uh, for a couple of years before he destroyed his legs. Um, yeah, I no way. But if it's yeah. available, you absolutely make you absolutely make the move. Yeah. Um, you probably move on from Brandon Cooks, which is so interesting because it's going to be another team that moves on from him, even though he's hyper productive. It's just like at the end of the day, it's just Brandon Cooks, and you can't pay him twenty two million dollars. Like he is a really good player. But there are better players, and you can't pay him the money he's worth, and so he's going to keep bouncing around. Um, I think Dallas for Bill would be really fun, though. I think yeah. you give him Micah Parsons, and it can get really ugly. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, a player I would look at, though, for a line perspective, though, would be like a Tyler Biotish, for example, if he were yep. available. Like, that's yeah. a more realistic. Or even uh, t- I, I want to say Tyron Smith, which just the injury concerns kind of scare me. And yeah, now- I, I, wonder, I wonder how much longer he plays. It feels like, feels like we're almost at the end there. Yeah, same with Zach Martin, too, which Zach Martin is going to be a Hall of Famer one day. I'm not discrediting sure. Zach Martin. Zach Martin's going to, going to be in Canton. And also, too, for folks out there saying, CD Lamb, you're crazy. It's a very out there hypothetical. I'm sure. just saying. And those because, are fun. Yeah. No matter what, That's I think those are. It, we're it, that it, time it, of the year. It makes for good conversation because we could sit here and just say Brandon Ayuk 8 million times into the, into the microphone. And how much fun is that? No, I like that. That's a it's really a good hypothetical. Yeah. Um, one that I w- want to avoid from a wide receiver standpoint, people might be outlandish with this but it is mike evans which mm-hmm. i will say this one of the most underrated wide receiver careers in nfl history in my opinion considering I who underrated he is him. considering who he's done it with now he's had three years of tom but if you look outside those years of tom he had what fitzpatrick Jameis, and baker like it's not didn't like he have, a, uh, didn't he have a wasn't he there with with, with mr long neck with, with the neck who, who was did he gabbard? not play with the neck no not gabbard uh no. Oh my gosh, he went to. Um, he ended up in Chicago after. Oh God! Oh, oh my gosh, Glennon. Yes, yeah, Mike Glennon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he play with Mike Glennon? Oh no, because Glennon played at thirteen, and then yeah, he definitely played with Glennon because Glennon yeah, played he was at thirteen. Because I think Glennon, it was like Glennon and Winston was like the system going on. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. So Glennon was drafted in thirteen, and I remember Winston was dra- drafted in fifteen, and and uh, Evans was drafted in fourteen. So he yeah. definitely played with the neck for a little bit there. So that's just the thing with Mike Evans, because with me, with him, for as great as it would be to have, I just think for him, eventually, it's got to plateau off. He just turned 30, which, look, I just turned 30, and I'm not, I don't feel old yet, but 30 in the NFL, like, eventually, I think he does end up staying in Tampa, especially considering what they've done this year, but that's just a a name I would avoid just because you don't know eventually when it's going to fall off. Yeah. I don't know what they do with wide receiver this year, honestly. Like, there's there's a lot of guys out there. I think Ayuk and T- Higgins are my tops. Yep. Uh, Pittman's another Pittman's another uh, out there hypothetical because I do think the Colts keep him. Yeah, because he's just one of those guys. He's been getting better year after year after year for sure. For sure. But it's an ultimate big wait and see and just go from there because who knows what they end up doing. And then even too, I'm going to say this a tight end as well. I think in a perfect world, you keep Henry. Yep. You let Kasiki walk. And you sign Farrell for cheap, and then if you really want to create it, I think with tight end, honestly, draft someone. Just you know what? Someone will be there on on Friday or Saturday. Guarantee you, you will find someone Friday or Saturday. Here's a fun name Eric All, tight end for I think Iowa at this point, but he really started at Michigan. He's a good player. Um, I think he is vastly underrated in what he can do. I don't know if he's declared yet, but it's time. You said the perfect words. You said Iowa and tight end tight in the end. same sentence. Do it. Yeah, that will do it. He's a good player. And they're tough too, because like for example, T- like it just it always shocked me that play that TJ Hawkinson when he tore his AC and MCL 
and that he just he just walked off the field. It was yep. just like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm fine. Um, but no, this this whole offseason is going to be a fun journey and an adventure for us because I've been saying this every year where it's like Pandora's box, but this year truly is Pandora's box just for the sense of we don't know what to expect. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be very interesting. And also, I'll say this too. I'm with the Tom Curran stuff earlier. I wasn't, I'm like, I'm, I'm not like, it's not that I'm not a fan of his. I was just eventually like, okay, Tom, like, just pump the brakes on it because it seemed like you were pushing him out. You're not Felger, but another story for another day. Yep. yep. Um, but you know what? This, this whole draft process is going to be fun. This is the time to lock into the prospects. This is the time to, you know what? Hey, watch the senior bowl. Look at the, sh- I, I don't know how much you look at the shrine bowl anymore because without Bill, I feel like those guys, those diamonds in the rough may be missed, which, yeah. Though that's gonna be the tougher pill to swallow, in all honesty. Yeah, it's just nailing the the day three picks. Just yeah, yeah. That's that's it. That is exactly it. But you know what? I gotta do this with you because we do have some football to play this weekend, which I completely forgot about. I it was so like about twenty uh, twenty minutes before we got on, um, I was like scrolling through Twitter and I'd seen like oh you know so-and-so practiced, he'll be ready to go this weekend. And I'm like, holy shit, there are games. I, I completely forget. The Patriots completely dominated it. I think it was Debo Samuel who, who, had, uh, who had mentioned someone, we had a good day of practice or whatever, we'll be ready to go. And I was like, holy cow, there's football to be played. I completely forgot. <laughs> um, before we do the football, a friend of the program, Alex Barth, I'm not going to pull the tweet up on the screen, but he actually mentioned a pretty cool stat that Nick Saban started at Alabama in 2007. He and Belichick coached 17 simultaneous seasons. By my count, that's just over 200 weeks of football. Do you know they only lost on the same weekend six times in 17 years? I saw that. That was insane. I'm like, there's no way that's real. But, like, yeah, it's – yeah, yeah. They also – I don't think they ever won a championship in the same year. No, that was weird. It was always – out. like, I remember 2018, they won the national championship. We lost to the Eagles. And then 2019, they lost – the Clemson, well, they got their asses whooped by Clemson, and then the Patriots beat the Rams in Atlanta, and then 2016, same thing, and then 2017, the exact same thing. So it's yeah, just that, that one weird. That, that one's wild, and I'll say this with the Saban thing too. I do think that he's probably going to go to TV in some capacity. Yep, I feel like he'll do like not college game day but like he'll do some panel work for espn or something like that like i don't think that's a yeah he comes out of retirement or he tries to go to the pros no he's just gonna ride off into the sunset and just live his live his remaining years with his wife somewhere i think they have a house in georgia or florida i heard and i know that he uh he mentioned his health was declining so you know i i'm obviously wishing all the best for my coach uh you know as as an alabama football fan that was a that was a tough Wednesday, and then to wake up today and it's like, hey, Bill's also out. I'm like, holy shit, all of my coaches are gone. <laughs> um, the one thing I'll say too is is replacing Saban at that job is going to be the taller task than replacing Belichick yeah. and the Patriots because yeah. the, because here's the thing, the SEC is no longer Bama's king. You got Georgia in there, you got LSU in there. Texas is going to be. I got. I saw some people say, "Oh, Sark could go back to Alabama," and I'm like, "No, Sark's got a really good team in Texas that's going to the SEC that probably." will be in the playoffs next year with the 12-team playoff, which I still say this, that 12 is too much. They should have done eight because... I agree. I think 12 is way too many. I, I think you overcorrected. Because here's the thing. Five versus 12 is not going to be... It's not going to be March Madness upsets where you get that. You might get one every couple of years, but for the most part, like you're going to get a few games that are just purely... Someone's getting cooked. There's no yep. way politely putting it. Um, but moving on to this weekend. 
we got Houston taking on Cleveland. This is like the one game where I feel like whoever loses, it's not going to be disappointing just because nope. it's the holy crap, we got to the playoffs, we looked really good, and it is what it is. Like, I know it's like losing still sucks, but do you get where I'm coming from with that metaphor? I do. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be one of those like, you know, we, uh, we're not just happy to be here, but at the same time, like, as a fan of those teams, losing there's no shame in losing that you're like you lose either 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 team you're like you lost you're like well we had a pretty good year we ended up there and the future is bright exactly as i stare at and i'm gonna say this right now too i know we rag on announcers a lot but i'm looking at kevin harlan right now and the fact that he called the jalen rager kickoff return td that was just chef's kiss i love he is my favorite he is my favorite 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 he's just he has such a good voice he has such good energy and he's so good on the fly and I think I just saw Max Crosby dap up Kevin Durant courtside in LA. So Max is already on to bigger things. Um, but with this football game, though, I know Cleveland's been the hot story. I just don't see Houston getting cooked again like they did a few weeks ago. And also, I'm going to say this, I don't see Amari Cooper going as psycho as he did a few weeks ago. Yeah, that was insane. That was yeah. insane. Well, here's the thing that gives me pause, right? I, I, yeah. I think that Cleveland can replicate – uh, close to what they did. I don't think, obviously, Amari Cooper's not going to go for 8 million yards like he did uh, last time they played. <laughs> yeah. But there's nothing on Texas's defense that, you know, Houston's defense that makes me think, oh, yeah, th- this can't happen again. I'm like, I don't know, probably could happen again, <laughs> right? Like, Joe Flacco's still still playing well. Their O-line is still protecting well, and they'll have shots downfield. I think um, the bigger matchup, though, is going to be that Houston, you know, Houston offense versus that Cleveland defense. That defense mm-hmm. is insane, and I just don't see it for, you know, for Houston. I think the the biggest concern is going to be uh, Charlie Heck on that um, on that offensive line for for Houston because he got absolutely destroyed when they played uh, when they played last time he's their um their their uh offensive tackle and i'm like yeah he's gonna he's gonna see a, a big dose of miles garrett again and I, I there's nothing that had happened in the last few weeks that makes me think he's not gonna get cooked again so i think that's gonna be a tough uh tough look there i do i do too it's just and also say this too the signings, the trade for Sedarius Smith and getting Shelby Harris, I think were some of the most unnoticed signings because that's that opened up Miles Garrett to be able to go out there and so be just a go anywhere. Free. Absolutely. And then I think um I don't know if underrated is the right term because I think uh ball knowers absolutely rate them properly, but that that secondary tandem of um they have you know Mark Emerson, they have uh War. Denzel Ward, obviously, and then uh, Greg Newsom. I think Greg Newsom is—he has been playing outstanding ball. I know his rookie year, um, people were a little hit or miss on him, especially because he didn't record any interceptions. But I think he's a really good player. I think they have like a really good trio there, um, and then they have Grant Delpit on the back end. I don't actually know if he'll be playing. I think he—I think he might play. Um, I think that that their secondary is so so good um and then you have you know jok you know jeremiah wusukoromora um at linebacker he's so good he's just so good um so i i i don't know i feel really good about cleveland in that uh mm-hmm. in that matchup like i said i haven't made any like official pick when i said houston i just i feel confident in this game to be closer than what we saw a few weeks ago i that's the thing I'll say too. And with Houston's defense, the only player on that defense that really gives me pause to where it's like, yeah, this guy's a star, and that's Derek Stingley Jr. Someone who I yep. who's been he who's I don't even want to say he's been really good. He's just really coming to his own and like living up to that third overall pick status. Um yeah. ultimately I think though, he, took, he took a little longer to get there than Sauce, but um he is absolutely worth the pick. He's a he's a great player. 
Exactly. They 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 breathe them differently in the SEC. Um, but ultimately, though, I think this I still am more. Gonna, I'm gonna. Yeah, it means more. But I, for this point of narratives, I want to go for Cleveland because we all know what we want to see next weekend. We all Flacco, know Flacco, Flacco going and, uh, back Baltimore. to Baltimore. Holy yeah. cow, that would be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really rooting for uh, Baltimore. <laughs> it's not even low key either. I'm like I'm big on Lamar Jackson, so I'm really rooting for Baltimore. I want them to take the whole thing, but I think. Flacco in Baltimore in the playoffs, that would be sick. Yes. That's the thing because eventually because for him too, it's just that doubting of like everyone that's still doubting him, like which Arthur Blank. I don't know why Arthur Blank doubted him, but that's another story for another day. Um Saturday night, Miami, Kansas City. I'm sorry for the cold narratives aside, and for as bad as they've looked, when one quarterback that wears 15 knows how to get it done in January, you just you don't pick against that. Agree, agree. Uh, I think they have looked bad. I, I really think the the cold um, this is going to be one of the few times where the cold actually matters, just because yeah. we're going from Miami, right, where this week it was probably low eighties, nice and humid, and all that, and it's going to be negative thirty with a wind chill. Um, it's going to be you know it's going to feel like negative thirty in Kansas City uh, for the game. That's that's going to be that's going to be a tough transition, um, and I think. In those elements, right, when it's real cold, you want to run the ball. And I think, you know, Miami can do that. But that, I think, is where Kansas City really shines. And I know a lot of a lot gets placed on their um, their pass defense. Everyone's always talking, you know, Legereus Need and, and uh, you know, Traverius uh, – not Traverius Ward. Um, shoot, I'm, I'm blanking on the uh, the corner Nicholson. opposite him. The uh, – no, the, uh, the, young, the young guy. He's the second-year player. Uh, we McDuffie and then Watson is the guy I was thinking yeah. of. Um, I think they're obviously, you know, they're they're good in the secondary. I think really their front their front seven, really their front six, plays really, really well against the run. And I think if Miami can't get it going on the ground, you're asking a lot in, you know, of Tua to kind of just like, hey, you know, go out there and put the game on your back. Obviously, Tyreek Hill is going to be a factor there. I just I don't know. I'm not betting against um I'm just not betting against Kansas City at home in the cold. There is another second-year player on the Kansas City defense that I feel like is very – flies very much under the radar but has been a significant – not significant impact player, but has been an impact player for them this year. Who we think? That's George Karloftis. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's really he's really come on. I know um, everyone expected him to be really good as a pass rusher coming out. I think he's been outstanding against the run. That's been, like, what's been surprising to me. I thought he's been really good. So, um yeah, I, I – I, give me give me Kansas City in that game. I just don't – I just don't buy. I just don't buy Miami in the cold. Also, that whole. I know it's real fun and it's it's super funny. The whole they haven't beaten any. They haven't beaten anyone. They beat one five one, over, one team over five hundred in the last calendar year. Um, I think that's five field goals. Yeah, it's just it's you know I don't I don't know I don't I don't buy it. I also think that. Um, Miami has so many injuries on the defense and we're all just saying yeah. like, Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But when you're signing JPP off the street uh, to come like save your pass rush and you have him and Melvin Ingram, neither of which were here a couple of weeks ago and you have both of them as your bookends and they're going to be the guys to save us. You got some issues. Um, and then you have obviously Jerome Baker is out, right? I think he's going to be out the rest of the year um, yeah. regardless of if they win or not. Um, I just, I don't, I don't love it. I don't love it. I think obviously their secondary is still pretty good. Jalen Ramsey's a, a good player. He didn't decline like everyone thought he would. Um, 
X has played better this year. Xavier, uh, sorry, it's, it's Xavier Howard. He's played yep. better this year than he did last year. I like both of their safeties, uh, Javon Holland and um, Brandon, um, Brandon Allen. I, I think, you know, Can't they have well. on paper. It's just that front seven is just so alarming. I think Isaiah Pacheco could have a day. Yeah, that's the big thing too. And also look for, I know he's been, it's he hasn't been himself this year, but look for 87 as well. 87 is the kind this is the kind of game where I feel like he can bully some people out there on the football field. Tough year um, for him. Yeah. I mean, off the field, no, but on the field, yes. Yeah. Um one thing I want to say, I don't know how much of a crazy take this is. I'm not saying it would happen this year, but going into next year, would Mike McDaniel be considered a hot seat candidate if they were to lose this game badly? Yeah, that would be surprising. I think they're um they're an ascending team. I can I think it would be premature, but you know Stephen Ross wouldn't surprise me. There's nothing an NFL owner at this point can do that would surprise me. I wonder if he thinks like if he'd think, oh, they're you know they're much closer. They should be much closer than they are. I saw rumblings earlier today that um, Nick Sirianni could potentially be on the hot seat, and I think that's insane. The guy took you to a Super Bowl last year. I think he's a, he's a little overrated as a coach. Um, I think it's insane to fire him. A you know a you know two years into it, uh, a year after taking you to the Super Bowl, I think that's a little silly. Um, we'll talk about the game, but I think the only way they would get fired is if they got absolutely cooked in that game Monday night. That's I think the only way. If they were to lose it close, like look, I think he stays, but they would have to lose by like thirty points and just look like a, basically they would have to look like what New England looked like against Buffalo two years ago in the wild card round for that to happen. Yeah, and when, when I say the Mike McDaniel fire thing, I mean is next year the year where it's like you got to shit or get off the pot? You know, for Mike McDaniel, that's what yeah. I mean by it. I don't mean like oh he's going to get fired if he loses this game, but next year is it that conversation of when are you going to take the next step? You know, that's yeah. where I look at for Mike McDaniel. So he's you're wondering if he'll be in the uh, in the McDermott zone. In the McDermott slash Stefanski zone. And I know Stefanski's probably going to coach of the year, but this year I was he was the hottest seat candidate because we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know yeah. what Mr. Sexual Massage Assault was going to do, even though now they took they basically took Joe Flacco around, which next year that's a that's an offseason question for the Cleveland Browns. But yeah. Yeah. And then Absolutely. Sunday, we open up with Buffalo and Pittsburgh. I'm gonna say this right now. I have a really weird feeling this could be for Buffalo because I was saying this. This feels like the now or never year for them yeah. because they've they faced all the adversity. Um, I think I don't think McDermott's on the hot seat anymore. Considering look, they basically were left for dead and they won the freaking division. Yeah, and, I um. But I'll say I this think, though: I think it I, might be. Oh, you think he might still be on the hot seat? Yeah, I think um, because like you mentioned, this is their like. You know their 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 years their shit or get off the pot year, um, yeah. and there's only so if, if he goes out on Sunday if he goes out sad mm-hmm. if they go out there and lose to a Pittsburgh team that has absolutely zero business in the playoffs, I think it's time. Yeah, that's the one place where I agree because if you look at the last two wild card round games for them, they almost lost to the Philip Rivers led Colts. Yep, and then Skylar Thompson almost went into their building and beat them last year. Yep. So I can see that happening. I'll say this about this game. I am still going to pick Buffalo to win, but that num—I don't know. I know you're not too much of a sports gambler, but that ten-point number scares me. No, that's way too high. Even with TJ Watt out of the lineup, which that's going to be a big blow for Pittsburgh. Which I'll say this right—that's the thing too, because like I think eventually, and someone said this today as a joke, where Rudolph's eventually going to crash the sleigh. Yep. So (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Yeah. So that very well could happen on Sunday. So. 
I still think Buffalo wins, but remember a few weeks ago, the Chargers were like 13-point favorites, and they barely beat them. New England, yep. hell, if it weren't for Bailey Zabby being stupid, I think the Patriots win that football game, which probably would have pissed off a lot more people. Um, yep. But So that's my whole take about this game, because I think next, I want to see this next Saturday, next weekend too, because for all the times the Bills and the Chiefs have played, Patrick Mahomes has never played in Buffalo in front of a crowd. Has he not? Was the, the only one time year he played he in did Buffalo was, was the 2020? Yep. Holy smokes, I didn't I never realized that. Every other game they played's been at Arrowhead since that game in 2020. So that's where I kind of want to see that where it's like Allen going into that no, Allen and Mahomes in that environment in Western New York, which yeah. if it were to happen, I'm only a 90-minute drive away, and I would seriously consider going to that game just because as a partisan football fan, unless it was supposed to be like stupid cold, then I would pass. Um, <laughs> because I'm sorry, I'm not going to pay the money to go watch a Buffalo Bills game outdoors when it's fr- freezing. If it's like, you know, 30s, I'll do it. But if it's like going to be like, you know, 25, wind chill, all this stuff, then no, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, Green Bay and Dallas. This is... I, I I don't see the I don't see the Cowboys losing this game. I know Jordan Love's looked good. I know the Packers have come on as of late. I think this is just a chance for Dallas to really sh- show because it's either this is the thing with Dallas. It's either they have something to do, they have the chance to do something very hilarious, or they have the chance to just kind of show and shut up everyone, and then next week do the hilarious thing when they don't get to the conference championship game. <laughs> yeah, that's um that's an interesting game. I think the line is weird. It's um. The Dallas seven. minus seven. Uh, I think it should be higher. I think this this could be a, a grisly blowout. I um, I know that Green Bay has come on of late, but I um, well, I was going to say a really, really, really poorly worded sentence. I was going to say, oh, look who they who they came on on. I'm like, well, that's that's poorly poorly worded. Um, but all the same, I I uh, I know they they've come on as late. I I don't think. They are in the same class as the Cowboys. And I think if Dallas plays the game that Dallas can play, yeah. they they blow them out. I mean, I'm talking Grizzly blowout, like 45-10 kind of blowout. Um, I think that Dallas defense is legit. I think it, it is absolutely legit. And that offense is what the offense is. It's just my only thing is Dallas just is just so good about letting you down when you just when you start to believe you're like oh this team can go somewhere and then they lose and you're like what the hell and it's always a what the hell kind of loss it's never like oh we played them tight that was close it's always like they didn't even show up yeah that was like two years ago in san francisco it was the weird clock management Dak couldn't Dak had like no time to spike the ball again the position yep. last year it was dalton schultz not getting both feet in bounds and then deciding hey we're gonna put ezekiel elliott at center at for center yeah yep yep yeah, so let them do that next weekend. But for now, I think this is the game that Dallas takes care of business in. For sure. But the game of the weekend, I'm sorry, it's Sunday night. And there is the villain part in me is coming up for this game. Because I think Matthew Stafford is going to go into Ford Field. I don't know how much of a Simpsons fan you are, but there is a scene early, early, early on in an episode where Bart falls in love with his neighbor she has a boyfriend, and she goes into his chest and takes his heart and just rips it out and says, you won't be needing this. And there is a part of me that wants to see Stafford just do that to Lions fans because think yeah. about it. Yeah. 30 years, first playoff home game at Ford Field, and your former guy comes into your building. And rips and your heart out. Rips your heart out, pees on your Cheerios, just <laughs> makes it a miserable offseason season. For the Detroit Lions. I just – because also I'll say this too. For as much as we talk about that offense, 
that defense has looked very wonky throughout the entire season. Yep. Yep. I agree. I, um, yeah, I want, I want, I want LA to win. Um, if only because I think Matthew, even though he won our Super Bowl, people still disrespect Matthew Stafford. And I just don't understand why he's a good player. McVay built a really good team over there. Um, especially given his constraints, yep. right? Uh, didn't have the draft picks and really have the cap space. Uh, they're starting like a bunch of nobodies, quote unquote, nobodies. Um, and they're making it happen. So I, I, I want that to happen. I just don't know that it will, mm-hmm. um, but that'd be fun. I, on the other hand though, I do want Detroit to win um, just so that we can just shut up with the whole, they haven't won, you know, a playoff game since 1991. Like, yeah, they have not won a playoff game in my lifetime, but, all of that could change and that would be uh that'd be a really good story um i just know people are going to overreact in you know in if detroit wins they're going to overreact and dan campbell's going to get a lot of uh, a lot of flowers but um i agree with you on that on that defense just not being up to snuff i think um they have a good safety tandem i don't buy cam sutton as a as a as a top corner um and when he signed in the offseason everyone's like oh he's gonna be so good and i'm like have y'all, have y'all watched him? Like, not really. Um, so I and and it bore out this year. You saw, he's like he's been fine, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because like, I'll say this too, and for as much as CJ Stroud has looked good, but the fact that Puka broke the record, he's. He, if I had a vote from the AP, which they were due yesterday, apparently he'd be my vote for offensive rookie of the year, just based off of everything that he did, yeah, break, breaking a sixty-three-year-old record. But when it comes to this game, like. And also ask you this too, because I very much feel like this could be it for Matthew Stafford. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's just this feels like it's it. And then he's gonna be one of those guys. It's gonna be in that Edelman Hall of Fame conversation. Which, unlike Edelman, I do think because he has the championship, he does get into Canton. I agree, and he's a quarterback. Yeah, that's the thing too. He's a quarterback. He'll get in. He should have been MVP in that game. I feel him. I agree. I agree. But but you know how it is. It's you know. He's just he's being carried, and Cooper Cup had such a great year, la la la, la. and it's like, all right, you can't, you can't denigrate him for you know for giving his players the position, you know the the ability to make plays. Like I I I don't know, it would have been Odell otherwise though, but then he you know obviously ripped his ACL. So Uh, one thing I want to say about this game though is you know how you were saying the overreaction stuff. I think there's going to be an overreaction for this game when it comes to the head coaching hirings because do you remember last year when? Cincinnati walked in the Buffalo and then beat the Bills handedly, and everyone was giving Lou Anarumo his flowers, and then yeah. they lose to Kansas City, and that went away immediately. Yep. If Detroit wins this game, you're going to hear the exact same thing, where it's like Aaron Glenn's going to be the next head coach of this team, which I still think Aaron Glenn's going to be a head coach. Right, like Ben Johnson, same thing. You know where it's like they're going to be giving their flowers, they're going to be showering them with praise. Yep. And then – because for as much as Dallas and Philly in the divisional round would be a good matchup, and we'll get to that in a second, Dallas-Detroit rematch, I think, for storyline purposes and considering what happened, would be better. It's just, I think, besides the defense, the only thing holding back Detroit is Dan Campbell's emotions. I yeah. referenced the game I went to a lot because in that game, they went over 6 and 4th down and didn't score any points. Holy cow, yeah. That whole decision to go for it there where they could have won the game – you could have easily had just taken the points and gone to overtime. But I feel like Dan Campbell, for as much as emotion can fire them up, it can also be a hindrance for them. So I we'll agree. see if he can keep it in line. But 
ultimately, this is it's going to be a good game, but I'm going to go with the Rams just because at the end of the day, I trust McVay more than I trust Campbell. Agree. Dan think, Campbell is Campbell's a chance to prove me wrong, though. For sure. I, I think we don't even have to look as far back as, you know, the – the Patriots game from last year, I think really the Cowboys game from this year really did it as well, where he was absolutely determined to go for two, um, even after they had the penalty that drove them outside of the 10 and he still lined up to go for it. I'm like, that's, that's insane. Kick, kick the, you know, kick the extra point. And like, that just didn't make any sense to me. And I'm like, Oh, well, this is what he does. Like he kind of gets it in his head. Hey, Hey, here's what we're going to do. And he just won't come off of it. And I think that's, I think that's perfectly said. I think that's something that's holding that team back. So I think it'll, we'll probably have a similar inflection point this year, uh, this weekend. Um, We'll see, you know, we'll see what he's made of. And if it works, everyone's going to be like, yeah, that's the kind of player you want. You want to, that's the kind of coach you want. He's super aggressive. But at the same time, I think sometimes he's aggressive for the sake of being aggressive. Um, And I think that's just a a bad way to coach. Right. I, I don't, I don't love going for it in your own territory. You know, you're you're at the 22, you know, early in the game. Why are you going for it? Like why, like kick the ball, play field position. Like it's, it's fine. I know that we're in a a new era of, of sports where everything is, you know, go for it. What do the analytics say and all that? And I, and I absolutely, I do. I respect that a lot, but I think a lot of times coaches get too in their own head about that. And it's like, yep. Yeah, bro, just just kick kick the ball away, yeah. play field position. Your defense is playing well. Just kind of, you know, especially when it's early in the game, and it's like I understand. Like on on one hand, you're like, oh, it's early enough in the game, it won't matter. But it's a it's a huge difference if you're already down seven to give it back to the opponent in their territory. They go up fourteen. Now it's looking. Now you're on the back foot. You know what I mean? It's like you didn't need yeah. to do that. It's okay to play field position. Punts aren't a punts aren't a bad play. But sometimes he coaches like he's allergic to punches, so. though. That's exactly it. Sometimes instead of just being this, like, intense, aggressive guy where it's like, we got to do this, we got to do this, it's like, no, just take a step back and go do what's best for the team. Don't do what's yep. best for best for you. Yep. And I'm going to keep Monday night short and sweet because – and I've been right about this a lot lately. I think this is the Philadelphia Eagles get-right game. Oh, I think yeah. this, is, this is the game – where they go into Tampa Bay for as good as Tampa's looked, putting up only scoring nine points against the Carolina against Panthers. The Panthers, man, yeah. And letting Derek yeah. Carr clap your cheeks on New Year's. Yeah, game. yeah. I um, I think short and sweet is the perfect way to put it. That's going to be a get right game. Philly's mm-hmm. gonna. Philly's going to do what Philly does. I don't think it'll be pretty, but I think it'll be effective. It'll be one of those games where, like, at the end of it, the score will say, like, you know, 16-9 or something like that, but they'll have been outgained by, like, 120 yards, and, you know, they were more efficient or whatever the case is there. That's what I think anyway. Because what they did last Sunday was just – I'm sorry, that was pathetic. The fact that you let Tyrod Taylor just walk all over you. Yep. And 20 You laid down. Yeah. They laid down and died, even to the Arizona game, which, look, thank you, Arizona, because we have three because of that game. Um, and I will say, I, I want to go off on a side tangent about that. I'm not sure how big of a hockey guy you are. Not big. That was my favorite moment of the year, though, was Kyler Murray walking into Philly wearing a Pittsburgh Penguins uniform. Oh, the Penguins jersey, yeah. Loved it. Um, <laughs> but going back to the game, I just think this is the whole thing with Baker Mayfield where this is it. And also, I'll be prepared to say this. 
if they lose and it's really, really bad, like if they get out gained and they lose by like 20 points, this could be a game where Todd Bowles gets fired. I yeah, know it's kind of weird, um, but he's not a great coach and he's never been a great coach. I, I just don't see it with him. Nope. We, we know it from this time with the Jets. Obviously, the Patriots were dominant back then, but like we know with the Jets, he was just too conservative and yep. was not a good coach. And he's another one who who got aggressive in like really weird situations, almost to like prove people like, oh, I, I see, I am aggressive, and I'm like, not not there, not not like this, <laughs> you know. It's like the one annoying guy who's like just trying, just doing something to impress people, but in reality, yep. you just end up looking stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I not I'm not big on Todd Bowles. I've never been big on Todd Bowles. If he goes back, and that's fine too. Yeah, I, I like I'm not saying he's going to, and also I'll say that with Nick Sirianni too. I don't think it would be a matter of him getting fired. I think it would be a matter of if they were to lose or lose and not make it. I think if they were to lose Wildcard Weekend, it would be where the conversations went intense, but then it's that thing where it's like, hey, next year you got to be like back to what you were in 2022. Yep. In or unless then, then you go. I can't see them firing him after two years. I know they got rid of Doug Peterson after two years after winning a Super Bowl, but I think those circumstances were much different than this. I agree. And. If I you know remember correctly, they hadn't even intended to fire Doug Peterson. Things had just gotten off the rails uh, after the season, and they had had the you know the or uh, towards the end of the season, and they had the, the meetings or whatever. And he had that interview where he was like, "I'm pissed off, Angelo," and that whole thing. And then then he was just out, and I'm like, I don't think this was intended. It was just kind of a, a natural consequence of them having a tough year. Yep, that that was just in the fact that the way they went out, just like pretty much going out laying on their backs to I believe it was Washington and then, and then they and then they ended the year with the uh with the Giants that year I remember that and I was like yeah yes. oh wait no that was the uh so the Washington game that's when they pulled oh my goodness that was such a weird game they pulled, they pulled Wentz and they, yeah and they and it was like a clear move for tanking purposes like oh yeah. we just gotta for our draft position and then they cut him and it was like wait what yeah, yeah. that was a weird year Exactly, but this this weekend should be good for football. It's good. It's always weird the playoffs because, like, believe me, I and also too, we got to commemorate this because it's been nine years yesterday since, and I call this the most stressful non Super Bowl game that the Patriots ever played in. That was the divisional round game against the Baltimore Ravens. They go down fourteen nothing. They yep. tie the game. They go down by fourteen again. They tie the game. Yep. And then JoJo LaFell catches a game-winning tip. Holy shit! What a throw! What a yeah. cat! Oh my goodness! And then Deron Harmon picked it uh, picked it off to seal it. Ah, I love that game. One of my favorites. I have to say the two favorite, my two favorite non Super Bowls, probably that one, and then the uh, Billy Cundiff 2011 AFC Championship game. That game was stressful. Um, I did not love that game. That was nope. that took years off of my life. I was like, holy cow, this. <laughs> this sucks. Um, one of the best, um, one of my favorite games from the the Patriots era, non-Super Bowl, not even a playoff game, and it was a loss, uh, the game against the Packers in 2014. Holy cow, yep. that was a great game. Great game. So I was like, ah, this, that's fine. That one, um, one of mine, 2012 Monday Night Football, Houston Texans. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, You yep. walk in wearing the varsity jackets, you get your ass yep. whooped. And just got absolutely thumped. Yeah. <laughs> 42 to 4. I just remember seeing like Whitney Merciless, Connor Barwin, JJ Watt, like coming in wearing these jackets. And I'm just like, well, what are you guys doing? And then another one that unexpectedly took years off my life was week three, 2017 against the Houston Texans, where that was the Deshaun Watson coming out party. 
Yep, Brandon and there Cooks. Was a Brandon Cooks touchdown catch. Yeah, I remember that. One of the most my one of my most favorite Tom Brady touchdown throws was that one there. The one to Brandon Cooks. Yeah, because yeah. just him getting the. There's the funniest thing because he gets his feet down and then some random guy just goes and taps him on the shoulder and I think like a cop goes up to him saying, "Buddy, don't do don't do that." Don't do that. <laughs> um, what was another one? San, uh, LA 2018 divisional round as well. LA 20. Oh, when they uh, the Chargers game, the no one thinks we can win anything. That one we should have was... known at that point they were winning the Super Bowl. Instead of yeah. going like we see, we should we, now that we look back on that, we should have been immediate like, yeah, they're they're, they're winning Super Bowl. Like as yeah. soon as Tom Brady says, "Yeah, we suck," I'm just like, and the fact to his videos, the fact that he used many men the yeah. next day, where yeah, he's like, "That was fun," basically yeah. him just going, "You want me dead? I'm not leaving." Oh, and then the only other one I can think of is Jacksonville AFC Championship game. I know that has that was a great game. Uh, that has one of the biggest what ifs because if Jacksonville wins that game because look they go into disarray and they're a team now where I look at them next year where I'm just like I don't know what to think of you I yeah. do not know I agree one of my um another one of my favorites and you know we can wrap uh, wrap up obviously mm-hmm. but uh, Colts Patriots 2013 that was the game where Alfonso Dennard um, picked off Andrew Luck early in the game he took yes. it from Levon Levon Brazil that was great Dante Hightower had a pick and that was the game where Garrett Blunt was returning kicks and was just unstoppable. And I was like, holy shit, what is happening? <laughs> that was a good one. And then another good one for mine was the uh, 2013 Bronco game as well. The uh, 24-0 win in overtime. Yes. One of the, I mean, one yes. of the best games in, in, in franchise history. I'm, I'm going to be honest. That's, that was a game where – so Ridley had fumbled. Garrett Blunt came in. He had fumbled. And it was just like, all right, we got Brandon Bolden. He's going he's gonna to lead us to victory. Yeah. <laughs> great, great game. And then another one that I just love is the more more so than the game was just a photo that came from it, but the Tom Brady walking down the alley in Mexico with the cages yep. surrounding him. Yeah, one of the coldest uh, Tom Brady photos of all time. When Brandon Cooks absolutely had uh, Obi Melifanu in hell, that was sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, one point I want to make before we wrap up quickly, and I don't know how crazy of a take this is, but you know how everyone likes to label the generational talent. Yeah. I still think that the last truly generational talent we saw was Andrew Luck. What, from Where, a quarterback perspective? No, from like just, yeah, from a quarterback perspective. Because, you know, everyone comes in saying, this guy's going to be this, this guy's going to be that. I still feel like we haven't seen that. And it's still a damn shame that his career was cut as short as it would. Because I feel like if he had continued on, I don't know if they win a Super Bowl, yeah. but he's definitely a Hall of Famer. I think uh, Mahomes is a generational uh, talent. Oh, you know what I mean? Like from when co- the college to all that. Cause I mean, oh, okay. Yeah. Someone who was like, the, as, like, the guy. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. I know that a lot of people had, um, Trevor Lawrence in that category, he was like the comp. Like everyone's like, oh, he's, he's Andrew Luck, um, and he's just not having the pro career that a lot of people thought he would have. But yeah, I think Andrew Luck was the last one who came in as like, hey, this guy's gonna be the savior, and he came out and was like, hey, I'm the savior. <laughs> so yeah, yeah agree. Because kind of like how he took a bad team and then like they went to wild card, which all their all, all their playoff mishaps were weird because like the first year, look, they went in and they had to play the Ray Lewis Baltimore Ravens in yep. his last season, which you weren't beating them, and yep. then there was the Patriot game in 2014. And then put the bullshit aside. The Patriots whooped their ass. Absolutely, absolutely killed them. Yeah. Nate's older touchdown pass, I believe, in that game. Yep. And James Evelyn had a nice touchdown uh, as well. Yeah. It was. It was a good one. It was a good one. But this podcast was a good one. It was emotional, yeah. but we also made it some fun. It was good. And folks, he brought the idea up to me, and I'm going to say it live on air now. He's going to be here all playoffs long. He's not going anywhere. Oh, yeah. He's not. Oh, He's going to yeah. be here all long. 
Um, want to also shout out Kyrie Thompson quickly. He was supposed to be on here tonight, but he had some stuff come up, so he will be back on very soon. Maybe next week, too, we even try to get someone else on to maybe dissect the Patriots stuff a little bit more and talk divisional round. But anyway, guys, another podcast in the bag. For McGarvin, I'm Griff. Once again, I'm going to say it. Thanks, Bill. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.